And you're listening to Rumination Tuesday on this September the 28th in the year of our Lord, 2021. And the hymn we're going to be looking at and listening to, first of all, is Our Father by Whose Name. And that was Our Father by Whose Name. It was written by parish priest F. Bland Tucker. He died in 1984 and served as rector of Christ Church in Savannah, Georgia. The son and brother of Episcopal bishops, he served the national church in various roles, including time spent on the commissions preparing their 1940 and 1982 hymnals. When the 1940 commission was asked to make a topical index of the hymns chosen, he noticed that none of them fit the category of home and family. So beginning with Ephesians 3, 14 and 15, he set out to write one. He settled on the theme of a prayer to the Holy Trinity for the family. When he submitted our Father by whose name to the commission, it was selected for the hymnal and set to the tomb Rosimidra, which we have just heard. So, what you're thinking about this, Pastor Smith? I'm not real impressed with the melody, <laughs> but but uh, it's. I found it interesting that uh, that the writer was the rector at Christ Church in Savannah, Georgia, where I lived uh, about five years during my boyhood. You kidding? Yeah, I lived down in Savannah, Georgia, in the early '60s. Wow! Yeah. Uh, of course, you didn't attend this church. Oh no, no. Uh, I, I attended a, a little. Lutheran Church was called Martin Luther Lutheran Church, and I think they've since changed the name to Trinity. And uh, but I have good memories of that uh, of that small Lutheran church there in Savannah, Georgia. Well, that's interesting. Do you remember even his church? 
Yeah, I think if if it's the one I'm thinking of, it had a huge high high steeple. And it was on one of those town squares. You know, Savannah has about, I don't know, six or eight beautiful town squares, park-like squares, and uh, they're just beautiful. And uh, right along one of those was was this church. I think it was Christ Church. And I was always amazed as a kid. I'd, whenever we'd drive by, I'd look way up at the top of the steeple. Boy, yes, churches have early change these days they become more of a entertainment area and the seating is like with just regular seats like you're watching a movie right. it doesn't have a lot of the traditional church type of thing all right our father by whose name if you will read the first stanza okay our father by whose name all fatherhood is known who dost in love proclaim each family thine own. Bless thou all parents, guarding well, with constant love as sentinel, the homes in which thy people dwell. Okay. So the first stanza speaks to the father. Right. And you probably notice that the second one deals with Christ. Right. And the third one deals with the Holy Spirit. Right. So it's a Trinitarian song, but it doesn't have a triangle in front of it. Right. I think that's because the last hymn, usually those Trinitarian hymns, the, the doxological verse, the, the final verse, talks about all three persons of the Trinity. And, and, that, and then you stand for that. But uh, yes. I think that's why this one isn't that way. All right. For those who don't understand that first line, our Father by whose name all fatherhood is known. How would you explain that to a child? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's easy when you've got a good father figure in the home because then it's easier to talk about God our Father. What's difficult, I've often been told, is when there's n no father in the home or, or there's no good father figure, which is in the case, the, the case of, you know, a lot of families, especially that live in the inner city, they don't have yeah. a father figure. And so when you try to talk about God as their father, uh, it's, it's a challenge. Yes. What I've done, and I've had families like that, is that God is the father you don't have. Right. And so when it says, our father by whose name, so the name would be father? Right. Okay. All fatherhood is known. And, of course, God the Father, if you take a look at the Lord's Prayer, it Luther talks about that the Lord's Prayer is such like a little girl asking her father for items that he then blesses her with as she has need. But boy, that's really difficult, as you said, in many families where there is no father. Well, you try to make the connection with maybe a, a loving grandfather or even an uncle. Uh, wherever there's a strong um, masculine figure that the child can identify with, uh, that's like your heavenly father. Only he is, he was, he's the he's the greatest 
greatest father of all. Yes, because the second line says, who dost in love proclaim each family thine own. Right. Now, what does that mean? Well, he's the father of us all. He's the creator of all. Yes. And whether we whether we accept him or not, if some people will not accept him by faith, uh, he still he still watches over all. He sends his reign upon the just as well as the unjust, and and he reaches out to all. He would have all in his kingdom. He would have all men come to come to the knowledge of the truth. Yeah, well said. In fact, how does this deal with the cross of Christ? For whom did Christ die? He died for all. Yes. The whole world. He, he atoned. He atoned for the sins of all time and the sins of the whole world for every person that's ever lived and for every person who will live. Yes, and, and so we believe, teach, and confess that Jesus Christ died for the sins of every person, even every unbeliever. That's right. And and that this is the distinction uh, between. I was talking to one of our listeners who has become a pastor at the church. And he said one of the most exciting Bible studies he had given recently was between objective and subjective justification. Yes. Can you kind of explain what that is? Yeah, but a lot of people don't realize that. But right. As you, but as you said, uh, Jesus died to redeem the whole world. All the all the people of history, nobody's left out. Even the even the terrible, dastardly, uh, wicked villains of history, the people that you would you wouldn't dare think of being uh, saved. Hitler and these and, and and all the scoundrels of history, they were included in his in his atonement. He died so so he he justified all by his uh, by his atonement. That's called objective justification. But uh, subjective justification, of course, not all of those people uh, will be finally saved. If they've rejected him to the yes. end, to their death, they, they are not saved. Uh, even though Jesus died for them too, they will not be saved if they do not believe. Only those that, that have God-given faith, faith given them by the Holy Spirit, who believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior will finally be saved. And that's why it's important that we get God's Word right. In fact, uh, this Sunday, Hebrews 2 begins this way. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. That's right. Now, what's the writer to the Hebrews talking about? Well, like like Jesus himself says, if you continue in my word, you exactly. are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And therefore, the truth is found in his word, which right. we refer, of course, to the Bible. And that's really an important point, for sure. Right. Okay. All right, going on. Bless thou all our parents, guarding well. Well, how does this fit? Well, um, well, even in fact, God even blesses all parents 
regardless of whether they're guarding well, guarding well or not. But this is in the form of a prayer. This hymn is in a, a form of a prayer uh, for for uh, families. And, yes. Uh, and we're praying that God would especially bless those that are watching over their children well and, and nurturing them in the faith and, and uh, protecting them from uh, from false teaching and, and from... Uh, Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Exactly right. And it's interesting the metaphor he uses in the next line. With constant love as... Sentinel, yes. All right, what's a sentinel? That'll have to be explained, especially the kids. They don't know what a sentinel is. Sentinel is a, is a, is a guard. It's yes. a... It's a it's a guardian. It's a a person who stands guard and stands watch, on the watch continually for uh, any enemies that approach. Well said. So that if, like in Jerusalem, there's a wall around it, he would be on the wall, just checking to see if any enemy is approaching. Right. So how do parents do that? Well, they're always. I'll tell you, uh, th- this day and age. You you have to watch your kids continually. I remember when I was growing up, we would run miles away. We'd take our bikes and we'd be miles off on the other side of the neighborhood, and we didn't think a thing about it. All we had to do was come home when it was lunchtime or when it was dinner time. But today, let me tell you, you just you know you you just you just have to watch those kids all the time because there's you know there's a lot of a lot of wickedness out there. Yeah, you have to be on the watch continually. And you have to watch. Well, even today we're finding out that you you can't trust everything that's being taught in uh, in our public schools these days. You really do. You have to be on watch. Parents have to have to be in in uh, uh, daily uh, uh, continual on contact with what their kids are learning. Yes, like in Illinois, they now are teaching children that well what we would consider to be immoral actions and lifestyles are okay. And so that's what's being taught in the public schools. And it is a great opportunity for our churches to have people coming to parochial schools. That's right. Yes. You have more and more people. And and, and that's not to say that all public schools are are bad. We're not saying all public school teachers are bad. We're not saying that. But there is a lot of false ideology going on out there. Absolutely. All right, I'll read stanza two. O Christ, thyself a child within an earthly home, with heart still undefiled, thou didst to manhood come. Our children bless in every place that they may all behold thy face and knowing thee may grow in grace. All right. Believe it or not, the Sunday school lesson for last week was the birth of Jesus. And I was kind of surprised because this is in September, but they made a point that they wanted to have that lesson apart from the Christmas trees, the presents, and all the other things that can influence the Christmas season so that they would just sit back and think alone of his birth. So I found that interesting that they did that. 
That is. That's maybe that's maybe a good idea. I don't know if they've tried that before, but I think uh, I think it's probably a good idea. You know, another thing that this verse reminded me of, Tom. Do you remember when uh, the boy Jesus uh, stayed by stayed back in Jerusalem when his parents had already headed home, headed home? So they had to search for him for like three days and finally found him in the temple. But you know what's interesting? A lot of parents today would have flown off the handle. To their to their boy for putting him on on such a, a search for him, but you, have you ever notice the words with which his mother admonished him, son? Do you realize? You know, I can't give the exact words, but she said, yeah. "We have been looking all over for you." But you know, that's that tells you what kind of a uh, what kind of a loving home he grew up in. Uh, they didn't just you know they didn't. They didn't uh, uh, fly off the handle and and berate him or anything like that. But they they gently but firmly admonished him. Do you realize? Do you realize we've been looking all all over for you? That says a lot about what loving parents Mary and Joseph were. I think. Well, they were loving, but they still hadn't figured out that he was the son of God right. because he corrects them and says, "You knew I had to be about." in my father's house. That's right. And they were spent three days looking for him. Yeah. And it didn't even cross their mind to go to the temple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you and know, that's... most parents, like I said, mo you could think of a lot of parents that would just fly off the handle at that and they'd maybe spank the kid, you know, without, without, without any explanation. And uh, uh, But they're, they're very patient, very patient. And he went home and was subject unto them, yes. So it's a experience Jesus went through where he was subject both to the father and to his earthly father and mother. That's right. But it says that Mary pondered all these things in her heart. Yes. She just couldn't quite figure it out. It's a beautiful picture, really, that she, you know, the wise men coming, the shepherds coming uh, Christmas night, and, and uh, all of those things, you know, she remembered. And, and, and they all resonated with what the angel had told her months earlier. Yes. Now, one would have thought they would have noticed something special about Jesus, because it says his heart was still undefiled. What did that mean? Well, he was without sin. Yes. Even in his early childhood years, he was without sin. Yeah. Um, you know, like you say, uh, you'd think they would have noticed. But, you know, don't forget, he's in his, even then, as a young child, he was in a state of humiliation. He did not take advantage of all of his uh, divine power uh, divine in those early days. And yep. uh, so it's. So it's it's kind of interesting that his state of humiliation he he carried through with that even in his earlier days when any any typical kid if he knew that divine power he would love to uh, to exploit it. Yes, it would have been great that the conversation Jesus had in the temple with the theologians uh, could have been recorded. Yeah, because they were amazed not only at his questions, but also his answers. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, as you always say, I, I would love to be the fly on the wall listening to that conversation. Yeah. Yes. All right. Stanza three, please. O Spirit, who dost bind our hearts in unity, who teachest us to find the love from self set free. In all our hearts, such love increase that every home by this release may be the dwelling place of peace. So what does this mean that who teach us to find the love from self set free? Uh, I think uh, I think that the, the spirit uh, in his uh, in sanctifying the believer uh, by the power of the gospel motivates that believer to to let his light show shine before other people in acts of love and deeds uh, deeds of deeds of love and also words of love. So we're set free from what? Sin and uh, our our old Adam. Well, we're not completely free of old Adam, but but at least the Holy Spirit enables us to to sometimes overcome that old Adam. Yes, and to live our live our life in love. And that love is a love that is more interested in the other than it is in myself. Yes. Tis more in blessed words, to give than to receive. In other words, it's kind of the idea that I'm not being loving to someone for what I can get out of it, but for what they will receive. Right. And so in, our, in all our hearts, such love increase because... It's not there until you come to faith in Jesus Christ. Right. And even when we come to faith, we pray for a special measure of his Holy Spirit that that love may increase and grow. We're, we're, we're still not where we hopefully could be. Uh, we pray that God would continue to increase that love in us. I really like the parable of the sheep and the goats because... God records the love that the sheep did for whatever you do to the least of these, my brothers, you do to me. And right. the sheep can't remember them. Yeah. Yeah. The, you just, you really, you know, well, we do, we probably do more good works than we realize. Everything that we do that's in accord with the Ten Commandments that we do in faith is in God's eyes a good work. Well, that that's a lot of things. And we, you know, we... We uh, we do good works even without hopefully even without thinking about them. Sometimes we yes. think, oh, I'm going to do this good work, and won't they think good of me? You know, a lot of our good works are tainted that way. But but even so, uh, as you say, the, the sheep uh, do things and and they do good works, and, and they don't even realize. Well, I, I wasn't even realizing that was a good work. Exactly, and it's spontaneous because you have the Holy Spirit within you, and therefore it becomes natural with the Holy Spirit in you, and therefore not that recognizable. Right. And on Judgment Day, God will compliment us 
Uh, they're not called good works, by the way. That's fruits something, of faith. Yeah, fruits of faith they're fruits called. Fruits of faith, right. And fruits of the, the Holy fruit, Spirit. Yes, that I'm the vine, you are the branches. Without me, you can... Do nothing. Yes, that's a really important verse. But with him and the Holy Spirit, your love, proper love, can increase. So, our Father by whose name, uh, that's a great hymn for Christian home and education. So thank you, Mark Smith, for helping us through the hymn. And on tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we're going to be doing a Bible passage from a Law and Gospel point of view that I think you will find very interesting. I'm Tom Baker, and that's Pastor Mark Smith. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.